You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock uh. Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, coach it in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go what's going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast proud members of the full-time fantasy podcast network you can find them at ftfpodnet on twitter you can find me your host for the evening matthew bruning at sports fanatic mb on twitter we are just one of a ton of great podcasts that are associated with this network if you want to check out us or any of the others go check out fulltimefantasy.com it is your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news advice and strategies we have got a great guest with us today, Bob Harris of Football Diehards. You can find him at FF Diehards. I'm sorry, you can find him at Football Diehard on Twitter. His website, Football Diehards, at FF Diehards on Twitter. He is part of SiriusXM Fantasy, a fantasy uh, FSWA Hall of Fame member. He is a great guy, great member of this community, and he's taken a little bit of time out of his day to join us. We've got Mr. Matthew Fox, who you can follow at Nighthawk7734, and of course, Dennis Bennett, who you can follow at Culture underscore Coach as well. So Bob and everybody is ready to go. We are about to go live everywhere, so if you are not watching us live, get ready for the podcast. <laughs> All right, what's going on, everybody? We are live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, we've got the usual guys here, Matthew Fox right below me. You can follow at Nighthawk7734. Dennis to my right there, at, follow at Culture underscore Coach. And then right below Dennis, we've got our special guest, Mr. Bob Harris from Football Diehards. He is the senior editor. He's one of the original members starting out on the TFL Report, host of Football Diehards on Sirius XM Radio. He is a member of the FSW Hall of Fame, won the very prestigious award of Writer of the Year in the FSWA in 2005. Bob, what is going on? Thank you so much for taking time to join us today. That took a long time. I got to I got to shorten that up somehow. Uh, No, that's a good thing. It's a lot of accomplishments. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. We are thrilled to have you here. Mine uh, so, is ju- my description of me is just as long. It just has a lot more filler. Yeah, mine's <laughs> a lot I wrote of half of that, didn't I? <laughs> All right, Bob, so uh, when we usually have a guest come on here, we like to get their uh, their background a little bit on what they or how they got involved in fantasy, how long they've been doing it. So give us a little bit of background. How long have you been in fantasy football? How did, uh, how did you get started in this business? Uh, I got started in this business. I started playing in 1986. A friend brought the uh, 
moved to San Diego, an engineer friend, and moved back to where my hometown, Tucson, and came up to our little group of friends, and he said, you guys, I found this thing, and you're going to love it. And we did. It was fantasy football. And it took about three days for me to realize into the playing of the fantasy football that I didn't have the information I needed to play the fantasy football. So um, kind of just an ongoing goal was I was a graphic designer and, uh, you know, started doing a little newsletter for my uh, league mates called the TFL Report. We were called the Tucson Fantasy League and eventually turned that into a business in uh, 1993. And uh, I've been gamefully or not employed doing that since that very day. So um, like most things, I'm a little ahead of the curve. I think in another three or four years, I will break even on this whole endeavor. But, you know, it was, it's been a long, fun, you know, role and uh, meeting great people along the way uh, has been a big part of it. I mean, everyone who's into fantasy, we all kind of, you know, ride the same vibes and everything. And it's just, a, it's a really good time. And, uh, and uh, being in the business is, is a blast as well. So I've been pretty, uh, pretty fortunate the way things have worked out. That is awesome. Do you have a favorite format? Being uh, playing as long as as long as you have, you have a favorite format. I love them all equally. I mean, I don't want to cop out, but I mean, it's just I love all of fantasy, the whole of fantasy, every piece of it, and all the pieces seem to, you know, as we've gone along. I mean, obviously, when I first started playing, it was just a standard format, you know, and it, as we progressed into PPR and IDP and DFS, uh, you know, Dynasty, all the pieces kind of fit together in a way that complement each other. You know, if you just played in a standard redraft format when Dynasty came along, you went, oh, wow, this is like where I really, you know, when, when you got into fantasy, the whole idea was I'm smarter than that GM. I'm smarter than that coach. You know, you're watching football. Well, Dynasty obviously took that to another level. And then DFS comes along and starts filling in the things that you hate about season long are all kind of rectified by day. A lousy draft. So what? New draft. Uh, injuries, whatever, anything, you know, Trisha, no, for no problem. I've got, yeah. So, uh, I love them all. I play in all of them, uh, quite a bit and probably way more than I should, uh, which means I'm lousy at all of them. Um, but I have a blast being lousy at all of them. Uh, I can understand you on that part. I'm being in way too many. You've got to have one format you don't like as much as the others, right? Like touchdown only, standard. There's got to be that one that. I mean, I suppose, you know, I suppose that's kind of turned into the redheaded stepchild of fantasy football. I mean, as we've advanced over time, you know, that's kind of fallen by the wayside. I still play in a handful of those leagues. And, and look, I mean, you know, anything less than 12 team dynasty full IDP kind of is you know, seems to fall a little short. And, and look, I'm not like the IDP expert, but I do love the level, the, the added level of playing that. And, and, and I think probably if you, you know, pin me down, slap me awake at 3 a.m. And, and shook me <laughs> vigorously, I would probably say Dynasty IDP. But, but I, I do love them all. There's, there's nothing I don't like about fantasy football. All right, fair enough. Do you have a favorite team or player? I hate them all equally. Um, and you know, you know, as, as you, when you cover, I mean, you know, number one, we all learned early on, you know, you know, not that to play your favorites, but I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. We didn't have a team and all, and everyone who lived in Tucson, other than me that I knew, I mean, I was born there, but most people move there and they bring with them their allegiances to teams. Oh, my team's the Chiefs. My team, I didn't have that. And I kind of, you know, became a badge of honor for me, not having a team. And then when I got into the business of covering teams and the news of teams, uh, I realized how much I hate every single team. So any given week, my favorite team is the least complicated team. I kind of make the joke, uh, you know, ask a dishwasher what their favorite pot is, right? It's the cleanest one to start out with. And that's kind of how it is with teams. Whatever is least complicated and the easiest to figure out, I tend to like those kind of things. But, but in, in terms of loving a team, I don't love any of them. I, I, uh, I, I admire what they all do greatly, and I like to make use of their players, but I, I have no allegiances. All right, fair enough. That, that's the one thing you have over the three of us on this podcast. We are all, Especially me and this guy right below me, we tend to draft with our heart on our favorite teams way too much, and it tends to cost us a little bit uh, too much as well. Yeah, and, and we, we all see that. I mean, I don't know. I, there's always that guy. You know, in every draft, I, I cover for serious the Allison Chains draft every year. And Duff McKay from Guns N' Roses is known to draft Seattle's kicker in the second round. 
Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, you know, more power to them and everyone else appreciates that, but there's always that guy, right? Well, it's and, really hard to hide when your uh, avatar is like Drew Locke in a throwback Broncos jersey. It's, it's not it's hard to true. guess who you're going yeah. for. You have to be very excited. I am. Lots of pieces. Lots of there's, pieces. There's only one bad piece on that team. No. Well, let's not get into that right now. We, we spent enough time talking about that. Uh, so I know you do a ton of DFS stuff. What, uh, what are some of your favorite strategies to use when you're setting your DFS lineups? So I'm not a huge fan of 50-50 or head-to-head. I mean, I'll do that. and you know, I'm not sitting around building my bank. Well, I'm not Jeff Manns. Uh, I am a guy who, when I get off the air with Jeff Manns on Sunday mornings, and sit down into my red zone, and and uh, I like to have a handful of GPP lottery tickets in my hand, and uh, that's uh, to me th- that may be my favorite part about football is sitting around. And so, look, I use a variety of, of strategies, you know, piece it together. I pay a lot of attention to the matchup, pay a lot of attention to Vegas, like everyone does. I mean, there's guys out there, you know, that do the do a lot of the work for you. And, you know, it's a, and try to play values. I'll have one lineup every week that is a totally contrarian lineup. Uh, that's a total waste of money, but I do it anyway. Uh, so, I mean, mostly it's just focusing on the matchups, uh, the, the various games, you know, targeting certain games, uh, looking to, you know, for maybe unique stacks and things like that. But for the most part, it's, it's all GPP and as many as I can buy in a day. And I don't care how much it costs me at the end of the year. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost like uh, the Tom Brady golf shot, right? I mean, all you need is one. You know, all all season long, and I usually get that one, maybe uh maybe a few more than one uh, that make uh that make it all very exciting. But I, but I love that aspect of watching games with with you know watching your DraftKings and Vandal and watching everything you know watching all your lineups how they're doing. That just is a that's a thrill. I hate to break off the fantasy football talk really quick. The, what are the guitars in your background? Uh, we have a Jackson Dinky. And we have a Yamaha Strat with a Floyd Rose tremolo that I love. Uh, it's like just it's, that guitar has I've had it for God a long time. It's never been out of tune ever. Uh, Jackson. Okay, Jackson's fast, but uh, uh, tuning a little bit of issue. Uh, there's also a big drum kit in the other room. I'll take you in there next time we do this. Um, okay, cool. so cool. there's there's a lot of that, a lot of that kind of stuff going on around here. Yeah, I just I've noticed them, so I thought I'd ask really quick. Um, so in talking about the DFS strategies, one that I, that I tend to use, and I'm sure a lot of other people do too, so I want to get your thoughts on it, is the QB wide receiver stack. I feel like that's kind of a, a big thing that a lot of people like to use. Obviously, it's still very early. We've got a lot of stuff that's got to play out in the 2020 season. But just off the top of your head, what would be your top five QB wide receiver stacks you would think would be the best for fantasy in 2020? So I'm going to throw out the, the Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, however you want to package that together because you probably can't afford it. Um, or if you can, you're going to wish you hadn't. Uh, so I'll go Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown. I think Marquise Brown okay. on the verge of a super good year. And here's why. Because remember this time last year what the coaches in Baltimore were saying about Lamar Jackson? This guy's going to change the way the game works. All these, the, the, you know, you don't often hear coaches talk like They're saying the same thing about Marquise Brown right now. And okay. so that has my attention. I think they'll throw the ball. Look, they'll throw the ball enough. Um, beyond that, that one seems a little obvious. I like Ben Roethlisberger, Juju Smith-Schuster. I think Smith-Schuster's in for a rebound. There's some weapons around him, but Big Ben coming back. Uh, Kyler Murray and Christian Kirk, I think, is maybe a good play this year. You know, DeAndre Hopkins is the more obvious play, and I'll be playing plenty of that. But I'm trying to keep it affordable. Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller is like dope. I can't stay away. You can, you know, <laughs> as long as Will Fuller's on the field and locked in a right position, uh, that locked-in connection he's had with Deshaun Watson over the course of his healthy brief though they be periods is hard for me to pass up uh, and I think the one that I like an awful lot is Daniel Jones Darius Slayton um <clears throat> that's kind of a little bit lower down the run but I, I'm you know in best ball that's something I'm diving in with both feet I think uh you know just watching the kind of he's a perfect best ball player and he'll be a perfect tournament player too yeah I, I love right. Slayton and uh, uh and Daniel Jones I did a startup earlier and uh, grabbed Daniel Jones as the QB eight in a super flex startup. I was drafting with Rich Dodson, who's the president of the Daniel Jones fan club. And so I knew if I was going to get him, that was where I was going to have to take him was there at the beginning of the second round. Uh, and, and Slayton's breakout last year, I, 
do you th- is he going to lead the Giants in targets this year? Do you think that that's I, you know they've got Shepard, they've got Tate, they've got Ingram? I don't know, and and you know one of the things I'm noticing is he's no longer the cheapest of the three options, and often you know especially in best ball, if there's two couple guys on one team or three guys or whatever, I'll just take the cheapest option. Thank you very much. And he's turning not into that, so I'll probably have some other options that I didn't you know that I wasn't keen on. I mean, I think Sterling Shepard will be a fine play going in. Baker Odell, I like that too. Um, it's a but, very self-serving I, I user think, you know, comment. Layton is kind of drawing a little more attention, so I don't know if he's going to get that. You know, if if the value is going to be as much as I hoped for, um, but I'll, I, I'm still liking it at the moment. He will be yeah. after Week One when Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard return to their natural state, which is injured. <laughs> What uh, I, I'm gonna ask for my my fellow co-host here. What are your thoughts on the Drew Lock Cortland Sutton uh, uh, duo I, there? You know, a lot of people like Sutton. Uh, could he be someone that you think could have a couple of really good weeks, especially with uh, Lock there? Right. I think look, obviously that whole offense there is going to be. So I I wish they had not diluted it. You know, too much. I mean, you know, the addition of Melvin Gordon, uh, the additional pieces at wideout. You know, another tight end. Albert O shows up. So. You know, look, it's good news for Drew Locke, and I think he is a guy that I'm drafting very late in best ball right now for that reason. I liked what I saw late last season. I don't know if that's enough to hang my hat on as, a, you know, a consistent starter in redraft kind of formats. But in, in best ball, hell yeah, all day long. And I love Corden Sutton, one of the many guests on the Football Diehard show over the course of time. And once you've been on my show, I can't let you go. I love you forever. <laughs> That is awesome. I bet that makes Matt just a little bit jealous. He is a huge, huge fan of Cortland Sutton, as we all are here. We all we all love really, Cortland. Really, you know, sometimes you get a little bit of insight into these guys. You know, obviously they're, for the most part, they're trying to be very cautious. And, and when someone is not and someone seems really genuine, it really stands out to you. And he was one of those guys that really uh, came off well. Jonathan Taylor this year as well, too, was another guy that really came off well, who I'm wildly overpaying for every opportunity I get. <laughs> Well, who are I'm going to break off here again? Who who are some of your other favorites that you've had a chance to interview outside of those two, Sutton and Sutton and Taylor? Oh, so many guys. I mean, Zeke Elliott was great. Melvin Gordon, great interview uh, over the course of time. I mean, talked to him a couple times, and you want to talk about a guy who is not. When you see him, you're going, "What the hell happened to him?" He is as jacked up as any player you will ever see in terms of the working of the body. Rashad Penny's always great, or, or Rashad. Jennings is a great guy and a similar guy. You, I mean, there's so many. Uh, that Some of those guys stand out a little bit. The, my favorite interview of all time that I did for one of our uh, fan sports publications magazine was Steve Smith, uh, who was uh, a, quite a character. You know, you see him now on NFL Network. He was just as much before. And probably my best interview of all time or my favorite of all time. And look, I've talked to LaDainian Tomlinson, Sean Alexander. I mean, I've talked to some really great players. Uh, but uh, Larry Johnson was phenomenal, uh, and it was when he was with the Chiefs. He was, uh, you know, ha- he was coming on. Dick Vermeil had just got there, and uh, he was just phenomenal. And he really understood the fantasy at the time when a lot of players didn't. You know, uh, he kind of, you know, realized, look, the, you know, the, the fantasy football is what makes a Chicago Bears fan a Larry Johnson fan or a Philadelphia Eagle fan. And you know, there's been other players. Uh, uh, one in particular, Jake Plummer. Uh, I was set to interview, and he was literally driving up the street. Said, "Okay, you got three minutes. I'm gonna, I'm going to my chiropractor appointment, and I'll give you three minutes." I'm just thinking, "Oh man, I'm doomed." And and uh, he ended up sitting in the parking lot of his chiropractor for an hour and a half talking, and it, it ended up being really great. So, a lot of guys over the years, a lot of guys I have not enjoyed talking to, and uh, as well. Uh, for the most part, some of them for obvious reasons. And some of them you just have an instinct about. Kellen Winslow Jr. was a guy that just gave me the, you know, I just felt like I wanted to take a shower after I was done. Turned out, you know, he it's was a good uh, right. instinct yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just get an impression of guys. Braylon Edwards, too, was a similar guy to me. But, you know, just in terms of talking, but just a bit of, been a ton of fun over the years talking to all these players and getting their feel for, for fantasy. You know, not all of them have been on board. Some of them more so than others. It's always interesting to see how that that works. So are, are the players, are they becoming a lot more accepting of the fantasy industry and uh, how it drives the fandom and, and starting to embrace it a lot more? Yeah, I think most of, most of them are. I mean, there's always going to be the all, kind of old school guys that, you know, I don't care about your fantasy team. And they don't on Sunday. And, they, and, like, they don't want you to at them 
on Twitter on Sunday right. after they've lost the game or whatever. But for the most part, they do realize uh, it seems to me that that like they all want to be basketball players, right? They all want to have their helmet off. They all want everyone to see them and know their faces and and know about them. And and I think fantasy, they realize for the most part, gives them that opportunity. Yeah, it's it's always weird to me that people at the players. Matt and... F, I can't hear you, Matt Fox. Oh, uh, can you wonder if he, his internet locked up? Maybe he was asking. I can he, see he, him moving. Oh, can you hear me now? He seems like he's there. I just can't hear him. He might have to log out and log in. I think this happened to me with him last night. I don't know why. So, well, we'll move on with the show sheet then. So, you you mentioned IDP, and we're we're big IDP fans, Matt hey. uh, Matt Bruning and myself. So, do you think IDP is going to make the transition over to DFS at all, or is DFS just going to stick with the keep it simple, stupid? I, I think eventually all things happen. You know, I mean, I think this is going to run its course and it will happen in time. I just think, you know, it, they're always looking for something new. And at some point, DFS is going to realize that. And I mean, look, I think we're going to get into eventually in-game substitutions and, and, and all kinds of things over the course of time. But uh, I would imagine we would have IDP well in advance of, uh, of, of things like in-game substitutions on the, becoming the norm. So, yeah, I do expect it. Yeah, I saw. I was watching uh, Emil's interview with Cynthia Friedland for the the Fantasy Football Pioneers, and he was talking about, and, and she was talking about the in-game substitutions for if a player gets injured, you know, make right. a swap at halftime. Yeah, I think I've been talking about that, about that since like uh, 1998. And you know, now I mean, we're getting there with the technology. You know, the next gen stats all run off the chip and you know, in the pads, and we know how many plays guys are on the field for, where they're lining up, and I think we'll be able to track things closely enough to, to make that work at some point. Well, and you did say you were ahead of your time, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so moving off uh, off D- DFS and moving just more toward a regular fantasy, whether it's Dynasty, Redraft, however you want to put it, uh, we all like to have variety in our lineups. I'm sure you are in a ton of leagues being in the industry. I'm sure you get asked probably dozens of times a day to get into certain leagues. I'm sure you're in your fair amount. Who are some of the players that you have a ton of stock in that you just you truly buy into? You really think that they're going to be good every single year? Uh, we'll start with Daniel Jones, Darius Slayton, and almost to the point already where I'm feeling overweight on him. You know, there's going to come a point where all these guys I'm about to talk about probably I will start running away from. Right? You just get to that point. I mean, even like you know, last year I had so many first round picks and. And I was just Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley. And then all of a sudden you're realizing, man, what if something happens as it did? So I love Chris Carson this year. I have a ton of him. Uh, I know Carlos High shows up, but just that coaching staff has been relentless uh, in, in using him regardless of the circumstances, whether he's fumbling, whether he's 100% healthy, whether Rashad Penny is 100% healthy or not. And I think, you know, maybe they'll mix some other guys in. I think for the most part, and I think the value is there for him. And look, I I was going after Le'Veon Bell, not because I think he's going to turn back into Le'Veon Bell, but the improved offensive line and the previously clear path to workload, something you will hear me talk about a lot if you pay attention to me is clear path to workload or something I'm drafting this time of year because we don't know what's going on. Then all of a sudden we have Frank Gore show up. So the clear path is less clear, so I'm dialing back on him, but still have a ton of him, have a ton of Devontae Parker, have a ton of A.J. Green just because he is dirt cheap. And maybe I don't have great expectations for Joe Burrow, but I do think that, the, you know, if I'm getting A.J. Green in round six or seven, it's just hard for me to pass up at that point, even at his age. I have a ton of Mark Andrews, uh, and I'm going to have a ton of Hayden Hurst before all is said and done. Just a good value. Uh, the dirt cutter targeting of tight ends is, a, you know, goes back to Tony Gonzalez and has carried on throughout, you know, all his stops. So I think Hayden Hurst is in a good position. So by association with Hurst, what do you think happens with Hooper in Cleveland? You know, I'm I'm pretty down on him compared to last year. Uh, I I just don't see it happening for him this year. I feel like I'm with you. There's a lot of targets there. I know we've already had some Odell Beckham fans chiming in. I'm not an Odell Beckham fan either. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. Look, I like Kevin Stefanski. Uh, so if I want a piece of that offense, it's Nick Chubb. And I know people are worried about Kareem Hunt, and I I, I get that. But you know, I think maybe enough Gary Kubiak rubbed off on Stefanski during their time together in Minnesota that he all understand the benefit 
of a true feature back hammering the ball. And I think if you look at the numbers for Chubb, I just think he's a much better back than he's given credit for. I know a lot of people really like him. A lot of people don't. And a lot of that is a concern about Kareem Hunt. I think both guys can coexist in this offense. And maybe they'll be the more the driving force in this offense than the high-end receiving core who will, you know, certainly do their damage. Like, Odell wasn't horrible last year playing hard. He's just, you know, expecting him to have those huge seasons and drafting him like that seems like a reach. And I think Hooper is going to be lost in the wash. That's just my feeling. Yeah, Odell can't seem to win. I think everybody, the the expectation of him is just so high that if he doesn't come out and catch 12 touchdown passes and 1,600 yards – People are like, oh, see, he's he's just not that good. Jarvis Landry caught 100 passes at nine and a half yards a pop. Exaggeration. Uh, but it, 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 he it, he can't win, Odell. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. I mean, I think a lot of Odell, too, is that he just didn't get the touchdowns last year. I mean, he still had a good season. It was just he only had the two touchdowns. So for fantasy, we look at it as he had a disappointing year, but in NFL standards, he still had a good season. We, we need him to score those touchdowns. Uh, you mentioned that you were – possibly looking to move guys like Daniel Jones and uh, Slayton because you have so much of them. So who are some guys that you're trying to get back now? Like who are those guys that you want to buy stock in that you don't have? Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Does he count? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everybody wants like, it. Yeah. Look, I mean, I want to get a few first picks. I want a few shares of McCaffrey. I don't see the workload diminishing greatly. I don't know why you run the wheels off him. Beyond that, I do want some Jonathan Taylor at the right price. I have overpaid for him in some drafts I've been in. Um, and I like to quit overpaying for him and have him a good price. Not that Marlon Mack is a bad back. I just think that, that Taylor is so well suited to what the Colts want to do behind that road grading offensive line. Uh, and he's just a big, fast, big play threat. And, and I, I like I like the landing spot for him, especially in Dynasty. I'm all about that. I know Clyde Edwards Lair, you're there too. I hear you, man. Um, but I think those are the, those are some guys I'm trying to get in on. I, you know. I think the guys I really want, I mean, it, it comes down to draft position, right? If I'm drafting those first four or five picks, I would love to get so much down Cook. Uh, you know, you think about him, and I, and I mentioned uh, Gary Kubiak, and you think over the course of history, you know, I'm old enough to remember the Ruben Bruins of the world, the Orlandis Garys, the Mike Andersons. I mean, he just turned in. You go to Houston, and I mean, Justin, you could name a just Slayton, Steve Slayton, a whole range of guys. You know, before you even get to Arian Foster, that he's turned into stars. So when you see a guy like Dalvin Cook that will be running that offense, it's, you know, I'm really into some of that. I like Joe Mixon a heck of a lot, not getting him, because I think most of the drafts I've been in, I've been drafting like 9, 10 or later. Uh, so I'm just not getting some of the guys I'm really keen on. And, uh, you know, I've been talking about this a little bit recently. I feel like and maybe you guys can, you know, chime in on this as well, whether it's the odd off season or the, you know, the lack of, you know, that those tidbits we're getting of who's developing chemistry with who and who looks quick doing this or that or the other. I just have, I'm having a hard time cracking the code, you know, uh, finding the combination, especially drafting late. I'm really feel unsatisfied maybe with my first three rounds, you know, I'm getting good players, but I don't know that I have the kind of confidence in them I would have with the earlier guys. And even in the drafts where I'm getting earlier players, I'm coming back around in the second round and I'm feeling, ah, it's not until like I get into the fourth, fifth rounds that I feel like, okay, now it's starting to come together and I'm starting to feel really comfortable with the values I'm getting. So uh, that may come in time. Uh, but a lot of the guys that I want are, are players. You know, every time I pick Aaron Jones, I think, God, uh, why did I buy a bucket of regression? <laughs> or, you know, Kenyon Drake. I mean, what if he turns back into Kenyon Drake? I just I don't have the level of confidence that I have in, in some other players. And so I feel a lot better drafting some guys later. You know, Chris Carson, for example, I like I like him late, and if only there were a bunch of receivers and guys I felt really good about it. Some of this has ended up with me drafting quarterbacks in the first three rounds. You know, just look, I'm not about that, but the, but it does seem like you know the the the, 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 the dynamics has changed a little bit. You know, on the whole late round quarterback thing, and I'm that guy. I'm a late round quarterback guy all the way. But man, I you know every best ball league I won last year, I won because I drafted. Lamar Jackson in round 10 or eight or nine as the summer grew on. And I, I want some pieces of that. It was exciting and fun. So, uh, and I want some Pat Mahomes. And if you want them, you're going to have to draft them early. So I find myself doing that just because I don't really feel comfortable with some of the guys I'm getting early right now. Yeah. JJ Zacharyson just released uh, his latest episode of the late round quarterback. Right. And, uh, he, I, I haven't listened to it all, but he, it seems like he was talking about, uh, yeah, that's my brand, but you have to you have to evolve 
And when you've got yeah, talent you to, like Mahomes, the market's and, changing, right? Exactly, so. exactly. Hey, before uh, Dennis asks you his question, I want to uh, ask you real quick. You brought up Dalvin Cook, and we were talking about Nick Chubb, and we kind of talked about both these guys on a previous episode. So if you had your choice, who would you draft, Nick Chubb or Dalvin Cook? Who do you think has the better 2020? Dalvin Cook all day long. Okay. Is it just yeah. because of the receiving work that he gets there in Minnesota compared to what Chubb doesn't really get in Cleveland? Yeah, I think, you know, look, uh, all due respect to Alexander Madison, I think he's a fine back when Dalvin Cook is not on the field. I don't think he's a guy that's been cut into the workload significantly. I think there's, you know, they've made some additions on the outside. I don't know that those additions are going to change the the passing dynamic that much. It's, you know, I think they're going to rely heavily and maybe even more heavily on the one back uh, on Dalvin Cook than they did even pass. So, and I'm hoping he stays healthy. But yeah, I, look, I, uh, Chubb is, I, I just think Chubb is totally underrated and I love it when he falls down to that eighth, ninth spot, you know, Same um, here. <clears throat> but yeah, but I'm jumping all over Dalvin Cook if I'm in the top five and I usually have all to right, be in the top enough. four. Yeah, I, I grab in the same draft that I d- grabbed Daniel Jones in the second, that super flex, I drafted Cook as the RB4 uh, at 107. So uh, I'm all I'm all in on Cook as well this year. So I, listening to you and Dempsey talking about your your uh, listener leagues, listener best ball drafts that you've been doing, uh, which player has surprised you the most with their value when you're doing the drafts with the listeners? And, and I guess it'd be interesting to hear your contrast a little bit, how listeners draft versus how the industry drafts for you. The listeners clearly listen yeah. uh, because they are sniping like crazy, man. They are hitting you right before your pick and they know what you're going to do. And that's one of, you know, one of the things drafting with Dempsey, you, you, you know, when we're talking every single day on the radio, we're, you know, right in each other's brains. And so, you know, if you, we will drive ADPs up single handedly. Hayden Hurst is in leagues we're playing, and it's going to have like a second round ADP before it's all done, said and done. And we're just going to be sitting there fighting over them. But there are players where that happens. And so uh, I, the listeners are very good. Look, I, you know, I just, I think, I don't want to say, you know, I always talk about this. They talk about fantasy experts, and, you know, and, and I think the, the thing about being a fantasy expert is uh, I'll say that I am the fantasy expert to the degree everyone who listens to my show is. And everyone who reads my website is, and everyone who buys my magazine is. We all are. That's why I got in this business. And I can remember back at uh, one of the early high stakes leagues, uh, Emil started up the World Championship of Fantasy Football. It was in Vegas, big event. And we're standing there, and <clears throat> and I uh, see a guy standing in line to do something, and he's got one of my magazines, uh, the Pro Forecast, in his hands. I said, oh, so check out those rankings. Nah, I know more than these guys do. Nah, <laughs> that I didn't like that. And you know what? He's not wrong. He may well know more than us, and so. I think that that our listeners in all the leagues we do with listeners, and we'll do a bunch more as we get closer to the to the season when we're on daily. We'll, there will be weeks where we do leagues every day, and it's endlessly amazing at how sharp these people are, and it's uh, joyous to see, and it keeps you sharp, keeps me sharp as well. Yeah, I, I love the people who ask me if I put out misinformation when with so that I'm people I'm drafting with will you know not do something, and I'm like. You know, if, if somebody's listening to me, like last year, I had people taking Preston Williams in rookie drafts around higher than I was on him because yep. they knew they knew yep. if they waited eight more picks, they weren't going to get him. I, I was going to take him. They were listening to my show. That's, that was the guy. <laughs> and we started talking about Clay Ferraro from, uh, I think it's ABC Sports in Miami, who started coming on our show. Man, he would not quit talking about this guy. This was back in, you know, in mini camps. And uh, by the time the season was rolling, this is the guy, this guy. I mean, he couldn't say enough. And, and uh, of course, uh, you know, I love Devontae Parker. He's a guy I'm drafting the hell out of if I can beat Desi to the punch. Um, but I think Preston Williams is a guy that should not be overlooked, especially, you know, like, we all probably make a list, you know, after the season of guys who ended up hurt or fell off the radar for whatever reason that we're really high on or we think can have rebounds. And he's certainly uh, well-placed well on that list, of my, on my list of those kind of guys. So – Preston and Slate, Preston Williams and Darius Slayton, who are you taking? I'll probably have more Slayton, but there'll come a point where when I feel like I'm way too overweight on him, I'll start pivoting uh, to other guys, and, and Williams will be one of them. He's still available so late that, you know, it's 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 a semi-freebie. I know. It's, it's crazy. Cause, uh, so who do you think is – is it going to be Parker or Williams leading the Dolphins in targets? 
Yeah. Uh, I think, look, so Parker's a guy we, we've known has had the talent all along. And he just couldn't, you know, I mean, nobody has disputed what he's capable of. It's the question has always been, is he willing to do what it takes to be that same guy that he was in college at the next level? And whether it was a change of coaching staff, hell, maybe it's just the fact that Adam Gaze can't coach anybody, right? I mean, that's entirely right. possible other than Peyton Manning and Julius Thomas. Maybe those are the only guys he can coach. I don't know. But did he really even but coach that, Peyton you know, Manning? The new coaching staff came in, and if you listen to people who follow the team closely, there was a lot of talk about how they kind of got him on point in terms of, you know, everything from nutrition to sleeping habits to workout habits, things like that. And it, it all seemed to come together, you know, maybe having a quarterback who's not afraid to, to, to put the ball up, you know, didn't hurt him either and had the confidence in him. But he seems to have turned the corner, and I think, you know, right now I'm willing to gamble on that. I think Miami will still be playing from behind a fair amount, and whichever quarterback is is going to be throwing the hell out of the football. Yeah, Fitzpatrick's not afraid of the old Chuck and Duck. Nah, nah. And then, look, I like other guys there too, though. I mean, I like, you know, Jordan Howard's a guy that I'm finding late in best ball. I mean, if nothing else, he'll be a goal line back, and Matt Breed is a little bit cheaper. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to just go out on a limb here and say Fitzpatrick isn't going to lead the team in rushing this year. Oh, uh, I don't think so. I'm There's I'm, a, I'm all about that Jordan, Jordan Howard. <laughs> yeah, the price is right right now. Breed is a couple picks later, so you know I could I could live with either. But Howard's the guy I've been leaning on. So last year at the fantasy Midwest Fantasy Football Expo, we were chatting, and and you you were so committed to Leonard Fournette. You know Dempsey was like, "This is going to be the guy." So now they got Minshew. He's, I guess we could call him established. They didn't really bring in anybody to replace him. They got rid of Nick Foles. Uh, Minshew, though, currently at Dynasty Trade Calculators, ADP is going at 109, quarterback 24. Is he being undervalued? You know, Gruden came out and said that uh, he's got what it means. He's got the intangibles to be a starting quarterback. So is that coach speak? Is Minshew being undervalued? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank Gardner Minshew for bringing George back in my life. The women in my life had uh, had disabused <laughs> me of that habit of George and and, and as much as I'd like to admit, I did what they told me. And I threw them all away. There was still a corner of my closet that Gardner Minshew has rescued. So thank you for that, Gardner. Um, beyond that, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go nuts. I'm, I'd rather invest in some of the pieces than in the quarterback himself. So I'll have some DJ Chark. I, he's another guy that I think the price is fairly good on. Uh, and 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 I think I think that's more what I'm interested in in Minshew. Can he fuel the fires of the guys I'm interested in? You know, and 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 I'm going to leave Tyler Eifert off that list, even though anyone who has ever listened to me for two minutes knows my interest in Tyler Eifert is endless. Can't quit him. I don't know why. Um, but, but unfortunately, he's free. Um, but yeah, I, I just I feel like there's a lot of quarterbacks I would rather have than Gardner Minshew. Uh, and you know, we'll see how this plays out. I thought it was a great run last year. I thought he played you know surprisingly well. And uh, and if he does it again, and somebody beats my ass because of it, I will congratulate them. And uh, and move on, uh, kind of confident in like, well, I gave it my best shot. So uh, in the DT, DTC ADP, Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, and Teddy Bridgewater are all going right before Minshew. You taking you, you taking Minshew over any of them? No. Well, yes, I'm taking him over Herbert. I'm I have no interest there. Um, I, you know, outside of dynasty, I'm just not going to take that. You know, not, there's plenty of quarterbacks out there that I'll be more interested in. Minshew would obviously be one of them. Teddy, I'm okay with, uh, but there might be, you know, might come to a coin toss if I was deciding between those two. I think some of the things I like about Bridgewater are he's going to, a, you know, at least an offensive coordinator that he's familiar with and is familiar with him. Um, but a lot of things that I'm doing this year are, are kind of trying to stay away from new situations, new coaching staffs, players in new locations, rookie wide receivers. Things that, you know, just I think there's a level of uncertainty that I can avoid a little bit. And, you know, it may cost me some high-end plays at some point. But I think for the most part, it's probably going to be a wise approach. We look every season. We, you know, I talk about all the time how, you know, you know uh, September is the new uh, August, basically, right? I mean, you know, right. nobody plays in the preseason. And the offenses don't come together until October or so. And so, hell, this year it might be November. And uh, the rookie wide receivers might never catch up yet this year. You know, this might be a thing where they come on next year. Now, some obviously will, but I just think in general, you know, if I'm trying to, to play the odds, I'm trying to back off. So Bridgewater, 
maybe gets the slight edge because, I mean, remember, Minshew's playing with a new offense as well. So, uh, you know, and a coach that is not as familiar with him and has not worked with him at all hands-on. So I think that might be a, a hair splitter for me, and they're kind of in that range. Well, the guys that are going right behind Minshew are Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, Jalen Hurts. Probably not taking Newton or Hurts. Why? Yeah. Uh, I, I try not to take guys who aren't on teams. Right. I think Cam will eventually be on a team. Um, but this is a this is a little fantasy expert insight here. Not on teams, not interested. Um, so <laughs> until he's on a team. Hold know. on. Let me get I'll, something I'm, to write that down. I'm, I'm, I'm writing that down. Right? All about the Rivers, though. Uh, you know, I like a shot putter on my teams. Uh, look, he's got some good weapons around. He's got a great rushing attack. We'll have more, you know, protection. Again, the coaching staff, the familiarity with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator there, both of whom had stints in, in the, with the Chargers and know him well. He understands what they're trying to do. I think it's a pretty good situation for him. And some really good downfield threats, uh, not the least of which is T.Y. Elton. And there are other guys. I, I Look, if I'm, like, looking at rookie wide receivers, I think Michael Pittman Jr. landed in a good spot, right? So I just feel like I, I feel like that he's uh, of those guys of that range of guys I would love River, but Big Ben I think you know especially in best ball I think people are making a mistake if they're laying off him that far. Yeah, I, I like Ben to bounce back this year if he stays healthy. So do you think Paris yeah. Campbell can fulfill some of that Austin Eckler role? <clears throat> I, I feel like maybe Paris Campbell's getting a hell of a lot of buzz right now because nobody's on the field and we're in Zoom practice meetings. And uh, that's the kind of stuff we talk about. I probably won't be investing that heavily. But uh, look, there is, you know, in best ball, if you're looking for cheap options at the end of drafts, I, I think he's in that conversation. I, I do think you're right, though. Somebody's going to turn to the Austin Eckler, which brings us back to Austin Eckler. It's not going to be him. So right. and that's another problem I'm having early in drafts is, you know, uh, you know, I'm just not that, you know, I think Austin Eckler, not that I don't think he's a great player. I just wonder if he's going to get the same kind of run with a Tyrod Taylor, Justin Herbert combination that he's, that he got with Philip Rivers. And I find that hard to believe. I think there's well, just like Aaron Jones, there's regression coming, uh, maybe not in the touchdowns, but in the catches in the yardage for him. So, and that's why I'm big on Josh Joshua Kelly because of that, especially in dynasty. I think that guy landed in a really great spot. Yeah. I, I've grabbed a fair share of Kelly in my rookie drafts. So let's move on to some running backs. James Connor currently going at uh, ADP of 98 running back 31. Is his? Do you think his injury stuff is uh, scaring people off too much? Uh, are McFarland, Snell, and Samuels really that big a threat to his workload? No, <laughs> they aren't. Look, we know what uh, we know. I mean, Mike Tomlin has a really good history with this, and we can go back to the Willie Parker, I'm going to run the wheels off him comment. And then he did, and he will every chance he gets. The question is, does Connor does Connor's health allow that? And, and based on the photos I was seeing today, I don't think, I don't think anything's stopping him, hell, uh, except the drug test, maybe. But right. um, I joke, I joke. <laughs> um, the I think, look, I think he's turned it into a value for me. I'm not, like, super keen on him for some of the reasons that everyone else is not keen on him. But I think a lot of it is just, is he durable enough? Can he handle that workload? I think I try to be an injury agnostic. I talk about this a lot every season, uh, which is why I endlessly can't let go of Tyler Eifert. It's going to happen, you know. Um, but I think in Connor's case, it's probably more likely that he will stay healthy, perhaps, than even Tyler Eifert. Imagine that. Who would have known? But, right. you know, I, th I do think he's in a good position. I know my friend Simon Bloom, a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, is not keen on McFarland, does not think highly of him as a potential replacement. So I think a lot of people see McFarland like this is a great landing spot for him uh, at some point when the wheels have been run off. Connor, you know, whenever that happens, maybe he's in a good spot. And, you know, Mike Tom has been talking up Snell. But I think as long as Connor's healthy, there is nothing in his way of a full workload. So I do like that at the price he's at right now. Yeah, I think a lot of people put on that uh, McFarland versus Ohio State tape, and they're like, how can this guy uh, not take the job? And as an Ohio State yeah. fan, that was a painful game. Yeah, he looks good. I want to go back to the uh, the Colts really quick. Uh, you guys were talking about Austin Eckler and obviously everything he was able to do with uh, with Phillip Rivers. Do you guys think Naheem Hines could kind of step up into that role with the Colts? I mean, I love Jonathan Taylor as much as the next person, but he does struggle a little bit in the receiving game. Probably the best peer runner coming out here, but struggles a little bit in the receiving game. So could we possibly see that step up in Hines instead of Campbell? 
it's it's entirely possible. I mean, uh, maybe that's more likely the Campbell turning into that guy, you know, that kind of crutch for for Rivers lead on. I just don't know how much he's going to be on the field. So I have not been investing heavily in Hines at this point or Marlon Mack. I look, I think probably I'm, you know, have a blind spot to that because of my Taylor infatuation. Uh, and it, maybe at some point that wears off a little bit when we actually see these guys on the ground. Um, but, but I do, I just, I don't know that I expect someone to jump in and turn into that as much as I am a firm believer in the reincarnation as Frank Coyle, the old draft guy called it, the Hindu theory. This guy is the second coming of that guy. You know, that was his big thing as a draft analyst. Uh, and, and we love doing that still, you know, with incoming rookies. Yeah, he's going to be this guy. I don't know that anyone's going to turn into the, the Austin Eckler, but, but I think if someone did for me, it would be Hines. I'm just not uh, investing in that yet. So Jonathan Taylor caught 20 more passes uh, than Melvin Gordon in college. Mm-hmm. So are we really, do we really believe that Taylor isn't as good a receiver or is it just the, the lack of opportunity? I mean, Gordon turned into a decent receiver in, in the pros. Oh, last year, the guy that you and I talked about, Leonard Fournette, turned into a pretty good receiver. I don't think he turned into that. I just think he, the opportunities came, right? And I think for all these guys, you'll see it a lot. They're just not in offenses that uh, require them to be the receiving guy. And, you know, look, for Fournette, maybe that train has left the station with Chris Thompson there and his familiarity with Jay Gruden. Um, but maybe the touchdowns come back, and maybe we're all getting a great deal on Fournette as well. But – but I think those are the, you know, I, th- I do think that's something we tend to, to focus on is is the numbers. And the numbers I'm focusing on are, are those 2,000-yard seasons, that speed, yeah. and uh, that size. I, I like those numbers more than I like the pass catching ability. And because I think possibly he says he catches the ball damn well. They all say that. So I'm not going to just go overboard on that. But, but I do think maybe with some opportunities, we'll see a little more of them than what we saw in, in school. So – the guys going right in front of Connor. Uh, we know we we've heard your affinity for Chris Carson, so we'll pass. We'll skip over him. But carry on Johnson, Damian Williams, and David Montgomery. Uh, you taking Connor over any of those guys? Yeah, probably most of them. Again, it's about the path to workload for me, and I think all those guys have issues that they're going to have to deal with. You know, carry on, whether it's DeAndre Swift. Damian Williams, obviously, at some point, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to, you know, and I you know, we keep thinking back to, you know, oh, well, look what Kareem Hunt did, but he, it took an injury to Spencer Ware for him to get his opportunity, but he went nuts with it. So I think we all like Edwards-Hilaire just because the comparisons we're hearing, the way the Chiefs are talking, seems like a great fit for that offense. Uh, so Damian Williams, a career journeyman, you know, I'm, I'm not eager to get him. I, you know, uh, I might be okay with it. Uh, and I think Montgomery – you know, maybe again, a guy with a clearer path to workload that I'd probably be more interested in than those other guys. Um, but, but for the most part, I think Connor, I like better than all of them. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm maybe Montgomery, but I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I have a soft spot for Montgomery. He, he, he's my, he's my Tyler Eifert, I guess. Sad. It happens, man. <laughs> it happens to all of us. So uh, Connor's going ahead of Darius Geis, Malcolm Brown, David Johnson, and Kareem Hunt, and Daryl Henderson. Are, are you taking uh, uh, Connor over all those guys? Um, I might have a thing for David Johnson. Again, that path to workload, uh, you know, is it your, are you rolling the dice that he can turn back into the guy that we saw a couple years back? It's entirely possible. There were moments last year where he looked okay. And the year before that, I don't know how much of that his, was his fault as it was Mike McCoy's fault and just, you know, poor offensive line. You know, you can only run into the center's butt so many times before, you know, <laughs> it's right. time to figure something else out. And it just seems like they didn't do that. And Arizona, so, you know, and I think that's a big thing with the coaching staff. So I looked at, you know, one of the things I loved about Joe Mixon was the way Zach Taylor made adjustments over the course of the season when they weren't getting a blocking for him. And they started, you know, running different types of plays to him, little quick pitches and getting him off tackle and places where he could do a little damage. And maybe DeAndre Hopkins uh, claims to the contrary, notwithstanding Bill O'Brien can figure this out, how to make some use of David Johnson. Look, the running backs there have gotten heavy usage and have been serviceable uh, in the past, even guys that maybe don't have the talent of David Johnson or the talent that David Johnson once had. And I'm willing to gamble on that. I don't know if I'm willing to gamble more. It's pretty close between those guys for me, I think. Yeah, well, uh, Graham Barfield was tweeting earlier talking about the, I think, the first six games of last season – 
for David Johnson where he looked pretty quick. He looked, he yep. was healthy and then he got injured the and, and you just keep sh- that. You, everybody just keeps showing that gif of Johnson on that, that sweep to the left. And he just looks so slow and so heavy after coming back. And they just, that seems to play on repeat. Uh, I, I, I can't see, uh, you know, David Johnson maybe having a comeback. I, I can't do it. So I'm willing to invest in some of that. I think both, I think Connor and him are both priced correctly. I like Darius guys more than the world, I think. So I'm, I'm a little ahead on that. I just think, you know, and I, and I totally agree with what Darius guy said so far, he's been the best practice player in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> and uh, for brief moments, he's been a pretty damn good player on Sunday. So um, I'm willing to take a chance on that. I know there's a ton of backs in Washington right now. Maybe so many that I can't name them all. I probably could, but nobody would know them all. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I like him a little bit, but but I'm still finding it hard to uh, ignore Adrian Peterson, the points he's still available in best ball. And, and so, uh, you know, as much as I like Geis, I, I'm a little less confident, but I'm willing to roll the dice. So I have a super flex trade. I have Geis sitting in my, my box right now. I give up Darius Geis. I get Tyrod Taylor and Brandon Ayuk. Keep Geis. I'm probably keeping guys. Yeah, I know. I, mean, a, I think, uh, uh, you know, if I was in maybe a pass heavier offense. That's exactly uh, my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think I, well, t- Taylor would be my third quarterback by the time I need him the bye weeks later in the season. I don't believe he's going to be the starter. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's one of those deals where you look at it and go, well, it's it's not an unfair offer. It's kind of it's a it seems like fair value. I just want to keep my guy. Yep, I'm with you there. Matt Fox, say something to me so I can hear you now. See if I can see if you're there. I feel like I shut you down. <laughs> well, it says it's working. I hear right nothing. Do you guys I can hear you. Damn it. Yeah, <laughs> I hear I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. Do you hear Bob, it, Matt? Do you guys hear me? I hear I you. Can hear. Yeah, well, I can hear Bob. This happened with Mark too, and we had him on because remember, and then it was me. He couldn't hear me for some reason. We had Mark Donaldson. Yeah, he couldn't on. hear you. I did. I did one last night where it was a similar situation. There was one I could not hear. I don't know why. Well, maybe your AirPods can only handle three. I just thought my computer was lying to me when it said it was working. No, yeah, we can we can hear you. Like I said, it may, it may be something with this because when we had Mark on, it was the same thing. He could hear Dennis and Matt, but he couldn't hear me at all. And so I was just sitting there talking to the air, but uh, Dennis, you had one more question for the tight ends before we before we get uh get ready to wrap this up. Yeah, so we we touched on Hooper a little bit earlier. Austin Hooper's going at the ADP of eighty one. Um, right right after him are Engram and Waller at eighty six and eighty eight. We're we're not taking Hooper over Engram and Waller, even with Engram's uh, injury history. God no. Not even. Not, so not if, even. Not even. If we get so if we get to this position, are we taking Ingram or Waller, or are we going to wait and take a, a tight end later? Even I might take a tight end later. Uh, look, I'm not. I, I have no problem with with Waller. I think he's going to be pretty good. Obviously, they've added some components, and you know maybe he's not going to get that level of targets, but he's still going to be a pretty big part of that offense. I think part of that was you know at least part of that was by design, and maybe only part of it was. Antonio Brown's feet and other things. So, um, but there's a lot, you know, so it feels like tight end has always been the desolate wasteland, you know, where if I don't get one of the top five guys, I'm doomed for life. I don't feel like that this year. I feel like you can go all the way down, you know, Hunter Henry, Jared Cook, Tyler Higby, you know, maybe you're taking a little chance there, but I'm willing to take it. Uh, He's starting to go a little higher than I want, but Mike Gusecki was a guy. Another, you know, there seems like an awful lot of dolphins in my list of guys that I'm okay with all of a sudden that I wouldn't have normally been, but even Dallas Goddard, I mean, I, I could go down that far, you know, down that far and at least feel like he's going to be part of the offense. So I just think they're in Bronk. I mean, you know, that guy is supposedly be really good or whatever. Uh, I don't know, but, but I do think, that though, I think, I, yeah, I think we're going, I think we're getting a little overboard on, on maybe on the, the Austin Hooper. And, and it's something we see every year and, 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 and the, you know, the, the grass is not always greener on the other side. There's more money, but, you know, there's something that got you all that money. And some of the things got Austin Hooper all that money were Dirk Cutter and Matt Ryan and his relationship with Matt Ryan, which he built over 
repeated off seasons, you know, staying at his house and working with him diligently, all those things. So, you know, and the targets rose every year. I don't know that the targets are going to rise. They added tight in the draft. They have a guy named David Njoku there that's no longer in the doghouse. So I just, I feel like, you know, whatever I'm paying for Hooper, I feel like it might be too much. And again, one of those guys that, you know, if, if somebody makes out and, and wins a title because they had him and I didn't, I will shake their hands and wait till they turn their back before I try to stab them. Right. <laughs> so well, I, well, what oh, do you ahead. think? Have you heard, uh, do you know who Donald Parham is? No. Who is that? Uh, well, he, he's, uh, he's out of Stetson. Uh, it was you, uh, not USFL arena and uh, XFL XFL darling six foot eight 240 pound guy he's with the Chargers right so uh, uh, originally I think he signed with Detroit as a free agent then was in Washington then the XFL he's one of those guys I've got an unhealthy he had like at least one huge game that while the XFL was still on, right? Yeah, he, he did. He was all over Get the field. Several. One of those guys that you're going, oh, hell, what is that? Where did that come from? But yeah, I remember, I recall him now. Um, yeah, I'm probably still going for Hunter Henry. Sorry. Well, I, I, I have I have some shares of Parham stashed on taxi squads. And he, he kind of, he's one of these guys, he did what he, he reminds me of Harold Carmichael. And so I'm, I'm sitting here, he's going to sit on my taxi squad for the next couple of years. And I just want to see what's going to happen with him. I, 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 it's unnatural. I probably should cut him, but I think I think Dan Arnold's going to be that guy for me. Okay. In Arizona. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be my guy sitting at the bottom of my roster, waiting for Stardom to arrive. Well, it won't, they'll run him in four wide receiver sets as their fourth wide receiver, won't they? Yeah. And, and he's just he's different than their other wide receivers, so I think yeah, there'll Paul. be a, a spot for him there. Tall, big, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mine's and Chris Hearns isn't a sleeper anymore, I guess. So we, well, maybe it. Well, I don't know. He'll never show up. Tall kind of. Matt Matt wanted us to say that his is Taysom Hill. He's he's a big Taysom Hill guy. That, and he, he qualifies as a tight end. Now. I have. To, I'm waiting for this. Uh, this. Uh, you know, I'm in a two quarterback league. Uh, the D- Scott Barrett has a league uh, that is like brutally cutthroat, miserable. Has a lot of big names in it, and I'll sound like a name dropper if I drop them all. But it's everybody you could imagine. Barry, we're, Silva, we're gonna be dropping I mean, your name just as soon as this show is over, Bob. Yeah, so you go ahead and drop and it. So, we're already so doing I it. Drafted, on this draft is a two quarterback dynasty. I drafted Andrew Luck and Drew Brees as my quarterbacks last year. Obviously, that didn't go extremely well. And so, but while I was away on vacation, I had Dempsey drafting for me. And I'm thinking, man, I need a solid backup. And he drafts Taysom Hill. And I'm going, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Trust me. Trust me, he says. Right now, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Although I own like two thirds of the quarterback in the league in this league because I'm going to fight last year's war until I win it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be quarterback poor ever again as long as I live. <laughs> uh, before I ask you about the wide receiver, do is I want to jump back on the on the Hooper thing because I do agree with you, and it's something that you pointed out earlier about Stefanski and the way you think he's going to use Nick Chubb. I actually think that's the biggest reason why Hooper is not going to be as good. In fantasy, right. uh, Fansky has come out and said that they love how well he blocks. And if you've watched Minnesota games, which obviously you have with what you were just talking about, they use those two tight end sets to help the outside run zone. So I, I do think I'm, I'm with you guys 100%. Hooper, he's getting sold as that bill of goods because you've got Baker there. They think he's going to be the one highest paid tight end, but I'm with you. I, I don't think he's going to do nearly what he did in Atlanta. So who are who are your top five fantasy duos at wide receiver? We've seen, you know, over a couple of years, you know, Kirk Cousins had Diggs and Thielen that that both produces high end wide receivers. Obviously, last year with Godwin and Evans, who do you think in twenty twenty could be five uh, wide receiver sets, duo sets that could both be, you know, whether it's both wide receiver ones or a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two for fantasy? Well, Jones and Ridley, Godwin, Evans, and I might have said them backwards, but maybe I didn't. Um, uh, I think of Amari Cooper and somebody, probably okay. CD Lamb, and I'm not like cuts you right rookies, in your heart. but it's him and somebody. Uh, I think are gonna have big games. Uh, I guess, I guess I I don't know if it, this is kind of like a non-sexy one, but Cooper and Woods. I mean, you know, I'm not sure Josh Reynolds is gonna come in and usurp a bunch of 
uh, targets. And those guys are just, you know, I think they'll have some really solid games for us over the course of time. Um, beyond that, I don't want to go to the, uh, the, the digs John Brown thing, but John Brown is like another of my many Achilles heels in this, in this game. When you can run past everybody on the field at any given time, I like that an awful lot. And maybe Josh Allen can uh, figure out where the broadside of that barn is and uh, make use of both Diggs and, and Brown. There's a ton of duos, I think, this year. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, I think, are going to be really good. And, and you know, uh, maybe at the cost of Chris Carson, maybe the Seahawks will actually throw a little more. I don't think it'll be a ton more. Um, but I think both those guys are huge playmakers and will be difference makers in fantasy for people. Uh, don't you discount also- Cole Beasley in Buffalo. It's Diggs and Beasley, not Diggs I and I never Brown. discount Cole Beasley. <laughs> Stop it! Uh, you, were, uh, you were talking about how you, you expect a, a kind of resurgence from Big Ben and Juju Smith-Schuster this year. Is there another wide receiver that you see who could who could jump up as that wide receiver to me? Everybody's talking about Deontay Johnson right now. James Washington, everybody's been hoping could break out. Is there a guy you could see taking that step forward? It seems like Deontay Johnson is is the guy. I don't, I just I haven't seen enough of, of James Water from James Washington uh, to have a lot of confidence in. I think you know still a little optimism of the unknown. That's a great thing I love in fantasy. You know, I don't know how bad he sucks yet, and maybe that's where Deontay Johnson's at. But but that that's kind of a good thing, right? I mean, and and especially with Big Ben coming back, I think there's a lot of hope. And look at Eric Ebron's another one of those tight ends. You know, if we're talking about a guy especially in best ball coming into maybe a really good situation. I'm not saying he'll duplicate that, you know, that touchdown run he had in Indy, but certainly it's not outside the realm of possibility given that offense and, and big Ben being back. He's just, the, all of this hinges on big Ben, uh, not fraying that elbow immediately. Right. Yeah. All right. So before we get out of here, give us a, a buy low for you at wide receiver and running back for the 2020 season. Uh, I think I wrote some down. I should probably look at them before I before I say something. Uh, just just wing it, Bob. Just yeah, wing just it. Wing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I've been doing all along. So by low at running back uh, is a guy that I promised myself I would never draft again, which is why he's my uh, he's my by low. Uh, Sony Michelle, right? It was a horribly disappointing season last year. But what are the Patriots going to do? And maybe there were some reasons why he wasn't good. You look at uh, the the injuries. The rookie offensive lineman was Isaiah Wynn was hurt early last year, the fullback. They lost their fullback early on, so they've gone out and gotten a new fullback. And I'm not really sure that they're going to have uh, Tom Brady back is what I, I understand. So maybe they'll have to figure out another way. I have a really good defense, maybe a strong rushing game. A little worried about Damian Harris, but at the price point, I think it's a, I think it's a fair buy. And the guy we talked about already, Preston Williams, I think is a guy I'm willing to, uh, to, to take a roll the dice on late in drafts. There are a handful of guys I like, but those are those two probably stand out the most. Well, and the Patriots did add two new tight ends to get that additional blocking in there. So, yeah, I think it's going to help. And look, I mean, we saw. I mean, I think about the usage as a rookie. How he just you know once we hit November that season, he was just they hardly took the ball out of his hands. And you could imagine a similar approach, especially with a really good defense. It makes sense. So, just given the price, I think it's a it's. I'm off my. I'll never touch him again. Not even with Matt Fox's 10-foot pole. Nope. He's all mine this year. <laughs> well, I so, think that offensive line is going to be healthy as well now, too. So that's even more in there for him. So we're getting ready to wrap up, Bob. But before you go, I know you're a big metalhead like I am. What band made you go, I want to play guitar? God, how many of them were there? Slayer, Metallica. Probably, you know, probably started with Metallica. Uh, you know, but I mean, just everybody. And, and honestly, I was a drummer. Uh, long, I, I started playing drums when I was about 10 Okay. and, uh, and my nine year old just asked for a drum set. Yeah. I found a black Sabbath album when I was about 12 or 13 and it was all over. Uh, so, so I mean, I, so, so the guitar was something that came along, you know, just from sitting in band rooms and through osmosis when they're making you sit on your sticks while they're tuning up and things like that. So eventually got into guitar. So it's kind of like the second choice, but I do enjoy it immensely. And, uh, I, I, I haven't played as much in recent years, but there's been times where I play a hell of a lot. Yeah, my 15-year-old took up guitar over Christmas break last year. Uh, the first song he decided to learn was uh, <clears throat> so one by Metallica. Oh, for whom the bell tolls by Metallica. That works. I said, I, I can you know, say, I can say might like have, the first some of the. <laughs> he might have been a little aggressive. Like maybe you could pick <laughs> something a little 
less technically difficult for your first song? Yeah, I think when I first really started, you know, getting serious about, you know, thinking, man, I'll just play guitar a little more just because I enjoyed it. it was like, I think uh, I think I learned peace of mind like in about three days over the course of about three days. So it was probably early 80s, I guess, 83, 84 okay. when I really started playing a fair amount. And then I started, you know, figuring out everything else. And uh, and it was uh, and it's a good time. I I enjoy playing immensely. It's, it's uh, there's it's a got to be a way to relax. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I just want to say that there was some. If you wanted some 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 sell high, I think DeAndre Hopkins, mostly guys going to new teams, and Aaron Jones uh, is another one because uh, he should be everyone's sell high because he's probably not going to score those 19 touchdowns. And a guy that's maybe not on everybody's list, I just you know AJ Brown is a phenomenal playmaker, and I think he's capable of having the kind of year he had last year. But it, by design, that's not what they want to happen. All right, Bob, the, again, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to jump on with us and everything. Tell tell all our listeners where they can get all of your magazines, hear your takes, everything, everywhere they can find you. Uh, so it's a weird year. We're going to have one magazine this year instead of five. We'll have the pro okay. forecast that will be on newsstands everywhere like they always are. And you can also get it online at footballdiehards.com. You can order it early, and it'll come delivered to you like everything else we get now is. Um, yeah. And it always has been, but that's a, a great way to get it. The website is footballdiehards.com. You can hear me on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, right now, Saturday night, uh, as the season draws near, we'll go to daily. And once the season starts, I'll be on seven days a week. There will be no escaping me. So uh, <laughs> so steal yourself, people. And you can find me on the Twitterverse uh, at, at footballdiehard. And when the season hits, the it's the definition of grinding. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I, <laughs> yeah. I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know how to do otherwise. It's been a number of years of this, so. Uh, right on. So yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Bob. It's been a, I've had a blast, and I love I love to listen to you talk about fantasy football. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me and listening to me. And I'm sorry I shut down Matt Fox. I feel really bad about it. <laughs> That's all right. I hear your dulcet tones on XM every day. So. <laughs> I see He's your lips moving. I hear nothing. <laughs> he said he he <laughs> listens to your dulcet tones on Sirius yeah. XM. Ah, then yeah, uh, that's a horrible thought. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dempsey is the one with the dulcet tones. Uh, I'm the gravelly voiced one who chimes in with the uh, with the overexcited exclamations. You're the one whose voice is re- is memorable. Yeah, <laughs> that's a kind assessment. I appreciate it. <laughs> right on. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!